What up, guys? How's it going? I'm Johnny Ray Diaz, and welcome to Surviving Hollywood Podcast. We also got... My name is Aaron Arnold. I'm Austin Arnold. And uh, we just had a conversation with uh, talent, man- talent manager, if I could only talk today, uh, Andrea Courtney of The Green Room, um, a very well-known, reputable management firm here in Los Angeles. I think New York also as well, bi-coastal, she said. Um, and uh, man, it was a great conversation. Talked to her about the, uh, the way the industry is evolving with all these self-tapes and how people are getting more opportunities than ever before. Um, I don't know, what'd you guys take away from it? For all you actors out there, you're welcome. I asked the question every single person was wondering that if your client comes to you as a manager and says, hey, I wish I was booking more, or hey, I'm booking some, I wish I was, or, I wish I was auditioning more, or I wish I was booking more, what do you tell your client? I said, don't give me that BS, Andrea, give me the truth. <laughs> and uh, she was really cool and really nice, and she gave her perspective. Yeah, things got real. Um... You know, people who are regular subscribers and followers of this podcast, uh, they know we had a manager on a couple weeks ago, and he told us that 100% of all actors and managers at some point give their clients a fake audition. So we asked agents and managers. Yeah, what I say? Actors and managers. 100% of agents and managers give their clients, the actors, a fake audition. And we asked her as a manager, what do you think about this? And things got real. So look forward to that. And she also uh, broke down the biggest pet peeves that she has with clients. So actors out there, I know you guys are doing some stuff you shouldn't be doing. Uh, She talks about it. And uh, honestly, she's just uh, just a really nice person, really sweet. And um, it's always fun talking to her. Go Lakers. Go Suns, baby. Go Suns. And she's from Arizona, ASU, baby. Oh, okay. Anyway. All right. Roll it. Hey, reactions, acting, lights, camera, action, interviewing talent with an artistic passion. Surviving Hollywood, surviving Hollywood, surviving Hollywood. It's the podcast. How's your day going? You know what? Uh, today's good because it's like no breakdowns. Um, it's super slow. So I was able to like get caught up on a lot of things and a head start on a few other items ahead on my list. Um, cause I'm traveling next week. So I'm always, I always get worried when I'm like going to be on the East coast. So I don't want to get behind. Um, so it was nice. Today was like super quiet and I just like worked since like seven o'clock this morning. Yeah, it's always nice when you actually get a little time off, right? I know, I know. I mean, time off from like the stuff that's so time sensitive that you right. you can't do like the extra stuff you want to do. So I've definitely been working. No barbecues for me today or anything like that. But <laughs> um, but it's nice to just like feel like, oh my gosh, I I'm like caught up, which is nice. Is that light in the back really distracting? I can try to this one angelic. Here. It's not a huge deal. Okay. Not a huge deal. It's okay. It differentiates your box. Okay. So know, <laughs> it looks so, really bright to me on my end. So it is, it is bright, but it's not a, it's, it's no deal breaker. So it's okay. okay. Yeah. It's oh, totally fine. I love the slate and I love that there's a slate back there. I'm trying oh, to stay can you humble. See that far? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to stay humble. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, <laughs> 
no, but I know you, I know you go back in, to New York pretty often. Um, and, uh, mm -hmm. so what market are you typically kind of doing? You said all over the place. I am. So I'm coast to coast. Uh, I mean, each market feels like its own little galaxy at the moment, you know, before COVID, it was more just like, I rep talent by coastally, but that's just not a reality right now. I think um, right now it's like I rep talent in New York, I rep talent in LA and I rep talent in Atlanta because they're like little bubbles at the moment. And so hopefully we'll get back to where uh, talent is being pulled from one region into the other. But right now it's just still a little sealed off from mm -hmm. one another, except for the like series regulars and, you know, like those right. big rules, but that wasn't the case always for everything else. So you know, it's kind of one of those things. Could um, you give us, I was, could you give us maybe some little inside baseball for the different regions? Like maybe something that actors don't know. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, well, the good, the bad and the ugly, I guess. So in LA, I mean, it's super saturated. Um, and so for, for me, um, from a managerial perspective, if somebody's looking to work in LA, I think they need to be established. It's not a great market to like just get started because you're competing with a lot of people in LA. Um, and so there's just not enough work to go around to build in LA. Now, is it impossible to do that? No, of course, nothing is impossible in this business, but I think that it's definitely, uh, it's harder in LA. Um, and then New York, um, is kind of similar. It's like you you do have to have credits and be established to be able to break into that market more easily. Um, and particularly right now, because they got hit hard, really hard with COVID. So, you know, it's, they're not letting, it's not just working New York local. It's like, literally, does your driver's license say mm. that you have a New York address? You know, you are just not going to be flying in if you want to work there. Um, in some cases, at one point, I mean, it was even like you couldn't even have a New Jersey address, which is not typical. You know, usually it could be tri-state. Now, that's softening a lot lately, um, but the same thing. And I feel like the Atlanta region is a good region for building. Uh, it's a wide open market, in my opinion, and particularly if you are diverse, um, it's a great market to, like, really build and you don't have to be sag uh, which is nice so diverse um, like if you're like italian or french or english or um sometimes sometimes <laughs> um d definitely uh you know atlanta is there's a lot a lot of uh, roles there that are you know black latino particularly latino um and that's not to say that there's not roles that are uh, that are not Caucasian or white, but specifically speaking, Atlanta is known for more diverse casting. And I've heard it referred to like the co-star region. I don't know about that. I don't I don't really like that phrasing for Atlanta, but I can understand why, because a lot of stuff is uh, kind of like the smaller roles and then they'll cast the bigger roles out of L.A. a lot of mm -hmm. times. So. 
So you think if somebody has no credits, it's better for them or very little, it's better for them to just stay in a smaller market, work possibly for years, develop credits, and then if they have some, then come to Los Angeles or New York? Well, I don't, I don't want to say better, but I would say it's more ideal. Um, and it's also a little bit more realistic too, because I mean, I've also seen personally at the green room, somebody have zero credits and literally be in the next first series regular. So for somebody to say it's not possible, either an agent or a manager, I mean, it's just not, that's just not the truth. Anything is possible. Your talent speaks for itself. Right. And I also think that it depends on how your team is pushing for you too. But, um, you know, if you, if somebody needs to like actually make a living doing this and they don't have like a backup kind of gig, uh, realistically speaking, you're probably not going to make enough in LA with no credits just starting out. I mean, it's just a reality mm-hmm. um, unless you're really lucky, you know? And like I said, that's certainly a, a path that lots of people have taken just being like undiscovered talent. And then you're, you're like, booked on something amazing. It's just not the norm. And I think it's important for an actor to realize, like, you have to know the reality of things so that you can make decisions. I think it's interesting. And maybe you can tell me if this is true or not, but it feels like now more than ever, it's, I don't want to say it's easy because it's not, but now more than ever, it's easier to book a series than it ever was before. Yes, that's, I, I would say that's true. My roster would not say that's true, though. <laughs> um, so, yes, I do think that it is easier uh, for people to book a series. And I, but I think that the reason for that is just because there's so much content being filmed. Right. You know, before right. it there's was like, so many shows. You're, yeah, you just had this many channels and this lineup, right? But now there's so much streaming content. I, I would have to say that it's relative to that, you know, and right. a lot of stuff is like Netflix and things like that, where they maybe they can't get the big giant name. And so they do go with somebody who may be lesser credited or, or heavily credited, but um, kind of under the radar. And that's what I feel like a lot of people are. You know, a lot of people have amazing credits. You look at their resume and you're like, why aren't you on a series? Um, it's just kind of leveling up to that to that point. But yes, I would say that that is... That is true, but still with the work being put in, I still feel like you have to, you still have to have credits. You just may not be like a name, like a known name. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've definitely noticed that too. And I, uh, the reason I brought that up as well is because I have, I knew two people specifically that literally have like one credit and then book a series. So then sometimes I wonder, um, you know, like the network obviously would look at something like that because it's, I don't know if it's like a risk necessarily, but I feel like that's something that I have to assess when making a decision. And um, I'm always just kind of curious in terms of like what that thought process is like. I don't know if you have any insight into that. From from the production standpoint, you right. mean? Right, or from the network possibly. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that the talent, they see something pretty incredible for that to happen. You know, again, realistically speaking, I. I, I don't think that that's the norm because sure. um, I've also seen some amazing people be in the mix, like top three. And then, you know, we think, okay, we're going to possibly get this. And then they, 
they'll come back to us and say, production loved them. We really pushed for them, but they just don't think they're ready for the series regular role, which means they were looking at those credits and saying like, they, you know, they haven't been on something this thick before and perhaps they don't want to take that chance. Like, are they going to buckle? So if it does happen where they just have few credits, then they, there's something really fantastic that they're seeing that they're willing to wager that risk Mm -hmm. on that particular person. I, I mean, that would be my, that's where I would put my money is on that kind of explanation for it. Um, I just don't think that they would take that risk uh, without something pretty spectacular. As a manager, how do you spend the majority of your time? Is it submitting? Is it talking to your clients? Like what's, what takes up the most time? Um, it's well, it depends on the day. But typically speaking, um, I'm pitching. Um, So kind of my philosophy, and if you ask this question to 10 managers, you'll probably get 10 totally different answers because I think we all work very, very differently, even within our office. Like I'm probably the one that's known to talk to their clients way too much. I'm like, but that's important to me. And some people may not talk to their clients that often, but they're totally hustling every minute of the day. You just may not be talking to them. So um, for me, I always tell my clients, the job of your agent is really to to submit. Not that I don't, I'm submitting all day long, Um, but really your auditions should be procured from your agent. Um, But hopefully because I've been doing work on the back end, pushing that audition through, meaning like I'm on the phone with casting office or emailing the casting office saying, we just submitted so-and-so for this part and we think he's amazing. You know, you should, you know, please take a look at his work and let us know what you think. So more times than not, if they agree with me, they're going to send that audition through to the agent. And I prefer that actually, uh, personally. Um, So for me, I'm literally like cheerleading for my clients all day, every day. Um, but the other part of that is also kind of uh, like literally kind of going against the grain and thinking out of the box because I'm not the only manager or agent pitching all day too. So at some point, it's you got to have to shake things up and and kind of stand out from the crowd. So... You know, I'm designing EPKs and calling other podcasts like, hey, do you want to do an interview with this person? Because I feel like momentum begets momentum, right? And sometimes that momentum is not a booking. The momentum comes in lots of other forms. And uh, you just never know when getting your client's name in front of somebody is literally going to be that lucky break, so to speak. Um, so maybe I've sent an EPK in January and it just wasn't the right time. But if I change a picture on an EPK and send it out again, that might be the time that gets some attention. So it's, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it from my perspective as a manager. Um, this'll, this'll sound like a broken record to you, uh, maybe Johnny, but I like tell my clients, I am literally like your cheerleader and your bodyguard. Um, that's my job. 
there's like therapist and firefighter <laughs> and all kinds of other uh, hats that I wear uh, during the day. But for the most part, I'm either like cheerleading you up or I'm protecting you from something. Um, also like mom with the chunkla too at times. I mean, there's yeah. everything that you can possibly, you know, imagine. Um, so every day is a little bit different, but it's literally just like pumping up the client in some way, shape or form. And you mentioned the, you mentioned the EPK. Um, I mean, nowadays, especially because of COVID, we've literally completely morphed into a self-tape world, like yeah. all the way through. Um, one, do you think it's ever going to go back to actual rooms? And two, now because actors are not seeing casting in person, they're not even seeing most of these producers in person, what do you think they can do to sort of stand out? Well, I'll answer the first part first. And so my knee-jerk reaction to that is I hope not. But then when I have a second to really like think about it, it's like I know how difficult it can be for some actors to connect over a self-tape. Um, but then I'll go back and argue with myself again and say, well, if they can't do it on a self-tape, how are they supposed to do it on the big screen, right? Because mm -hmm. ultimately when you're filming something, you need to make that connection. That's what it is. It's like, it's over a video. So um, the reason why I think self-taping is so important um, is because it does give those opportunities to people who may never otherwise have them. Um, if you're based in LA and you wanna audition for something in New York or Atlanta, unless you're willing to get on a plane, you might miss that opportunity and vice versa. So I think self-taping has kind of opened up a big world and I would hope and imagine that as things kind of settle back down from COVID, that they'll only get more and more and more. Yeah. Um, so the first part of the question is, do I ever think it'll get back to normal? I think in the commercial space, it's gonna get back to normal faster. But I think in the theatrical space, I, I would imagine that a lot of the casting directors are kind of sold on the fact that self-taping is so much more efficient. Yeah. Um, and that's what they do. That's what they've always done in Atlanta. It's never been like in person as much. So um, it, it was it's almost like L.A. just sort of morphed into an Atlanta region in that sense. But I am seeing in person stuff, though. Okay. I am seeing it even in L.A. a little bit. Um, and the second part of your question is. Well, because, you know unless some of these actors have been around before self-taping where they actually went to casting and they met the casting director, they may have, may have built rapport with them already in person. But mm -hmm. now because there's a lot of actors that have literally never seen any of these people in person or even the, these producers, um, what do you think an actor can do to sort of try to stand out in some of these tapes? I mean, obviously sending a good tape, but it's like, yeah. what else can you do? Because they don't really get a sense of who you are off of the tape necessarily. Yeah, it's hard I, because I think a lot of casting directors too are so specific about what they want. They don't want right. anything extra in some cases, or sometimes they do want to maybe see personality on your slate or whatever. Um, I know some actors on my roster literally have like a database, like this casting director likes this or whatever, right? Um, so I'm a little bit of a self-tape snob, I'll be honest. I, so I think that the first thing that you can do is the acting, I would imagine there's not going to be very many managers or 
agents that are going to submit a tape that's bad. Um, and I just mean in terms of the acting itself. Mm-hmm. But the very first thing that somebody can do is make sure that not just the acting is good, but that the quality of the tape is good. Um, lighting, sound, all of that stuff. I mean, that's the first thing that you can do. And the reason why I say that is because I think a lot of it is like psychological when it comes to self-tapes. And if you think about it, again, in an LA market where it's so saturated and you have tons of amazing talent, if you're calling in, you know, 20 people and they narrow it down to five, but they can only send three up to producers, they're not going to send, if there's three equally amazing tapes, they're going to send the two up that look the best. If you've got like your bookshelf in the back or a mess or your cat's running across the sofa or something, even though the acting is amazing, they, that might be the thing that gets you not moved up. So um, I would say like, first and foremost, make sure that the tape is uh, like incredibly produced, if you will. Um, and then secondly, uh, you know, again, what, how, what exactly what you would do on a set where you're connecting with the camera or whatever, I think that that's super important because there is less of an opportunity to really make an impact um, on the casting director. So um, they'll remember, I, I, I've literally had casting directors email me back and say, you know, is so-and-so available? He auditioned for this like four months ago. We loved him. Can he read for this without even us submitting for an audition? Because they do remember the really good performances. It may not feel that way, but they do. Casting directors are amazing creatures and, and they do remember the amazing tapes. I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I feel the biggest pain point, I'm just guessing, that you probably hear from actors is, oh, I wish I got more auditions. How do I get more auditions? <laughs> Besides fixing the self-tape lighting, any insights that you've given your clientele? Yes. So, uh, well, I actually hear both sides because a lot of my talent has auditioned a ton and nothing cracks. So it's like six mm-hmm. on one side and half a dozen on the other. You know, it's like never auditioning and not booking or auditioning a ton and not booking. They're equally mm-hmm. hurtful, you know? So, um, so if somebody is not getting auditions, um, I'm a big believer in pivoting and shifting all the time. And that's really the job of your, your team. But particularly if you do have a manager is identifying like, why aren't we getting auditions? Um, you know, if you are a solid talent and you have good things going for you, which would be the case if you're on my roster for sure, um, then why aren't we getting auditions? And a lot of times it's simply going through the profile um, and like changing things up. Maybe your headshots are not um, impactful enough, first of all, because that's the first and foremost opportunity for you to get an audition is the headshot. I mean, literally, um, you know, they're just tiny little thumbnails and they're just literally scrolling through. It's almost like winning the lottery, right? So what is going to make them stop at your profile first? Um, Secondly, uh, a lot of times just changing up the description or the, the title of your clips could be the difference. So, uh, 
it's and it it may be different for for one actor versus another. Um, but if you're not getting auditions, I think first and foremost, it should be a matter of like checking your profile. Um, and then from that point, it's also been starting to do a little bit of an audit on what you're doing outside of what we're doing for you, which is submitting. What are you putting on social media, for example, or how are you presenting yourselves in other ways? Because I promise you, it's, it's they check. It's they check. They so, absolutely so don't talk check. politics. Is that what you're telling me? Um, <laughs> mo- for the most part, unless yeah. it's liberal. If it's a liberal, um, you can talk it. <laughs> sometimes not. I mean, like I said, I just, I think you know another thing completely not even in that realm is sometimes I think people present themselves in a way that they don't even know what they want. They're a social media influencer on Tuesday and an actor on Wednesday and a model on Thursday. And you know what I'm saying? And so if you don't know what you are again, like sometimes casting directors may be like, are they a really serious actor? So it it doesn't even have to be a matter of like politics. It could just be a matter Mm -hmm. of, how are you really presenting yourself professionally speaking on social media? It's a problem sometimes. So yeah. how big is your roster? Um, my roster, well, I did some adjusting recently, um, but I right now I'm about 40, 41 maybe. Um, but that also includes a, uh, some athletes that I have on my roster, um, which I don't really count as actors because they don't get submitted like that. So of actors, I would say probably 39 or 40. We had a, had a question from audience as well. Uh, just sure. talk, talking about that specifically. Um, what are the key elements that you look for when taking on a client? Um, well, there's a few. So most importantly, like a connection, there has to be something there where I want, I know I want to work with this person um, long-term because as I mentioned before, I'm the, you know, I definitely communicate with my clients a lot. And so if there's like not a connection there, it's just not going to work. I mean, that should not just be from my perspective, that should be what an actor looks for as well from, anybody on their team like it's a relationship so you should want to feel like super confident that this is somebody that you trust uh to advocate for you on whatever level it is um and that does uh not necessarily believe in your talent because they shouldn't be taking a meeting with you if you're not talented but i think believe in the fact that you can also um pivot and adjust you know, if, if that's what it's going to take or, you know, is this person going to be open to sh- like shifting and, and really working to find a groove um, because some people are not, and that's okay because there's a fit for that person for sure. Um, and then secondly, it, in this point, kind of with everything happening with COVID for me personally, credits are important. Um, it's not an end all be all for me. But um, I'm just, I'm not in a space anymore where I, I'm really anxious to take on clients that I would consider developmental only because there's a lot of good momentum happening for 
clients who have put in the work, who literally have busted their butt, particularly through COVID. And I want to be able to make sure that I'm literally there at every moment to be able to help continue with that momentum. So when you have somebody who's more developmental, it takes more time. So for me, credits um, are, are a factor. The connection is definitely a factor. And then also region, just depending on where they're located and where they're willing to go um, to as the market sort of defrosts a little bit. <laughs> and this same person was wondering, what's your biggest pet peeve with clients? Just one? I have to just oh, pick one pet peeve? Give us, give us your, your, give you the one that you hate the most. Okay, sounds good. Oh, boy. Uh, so when we're talking about social media, so this is, these are in no particular order because I can reorder these at all times is I think that when you're like a professional actor, um, kind of let your work do the talking for you. It It's super like, I don't even know what the word is because I don't want to say annoying, although that's probably the closest word is like, I had seven auditions today and you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I talked to a casting director today. I just, I don't think that really successful actors do that. And I would rather be cheerleading for you. I would rather be the one like, hey, so-and-so booked this. So-and-so killed this audition. So-and-so turned in one of the best self-tapes I've seen in this year. I think when you do that for yourself over and over and over, it just doesn't present the actor in a good light. So that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, and then I think another pet peeve of mine is is definitely when my clients don't communicate back with me. So if I'm like on Instagram and I'm, they're like, hey, I'm on set today. And I'm like, for what? That's like a big no-no for me because mm -hmm. I put so much time into my client's career that if they booked something and I wasn't aware of it, then I think it kind of shows a lack of respect on my sense. part. So, yeah. So for, for me, I would say like, those are probably two of two things that are, are pet peeves. Um, this isn't really a pet peeve of mine, but I will throw it out there because I think it's important. I think it's a pet peeve of a lot of reps. So if it's helpful is a lot of times when you're looking for reps and you like mass email people, it's considered like a no-no on our end. Although like for me, I really don't care because I can't really say that I wouldn't do the same thing if I didn't know, you know? Um, You've got to change it to make it look like you're not doing that, right? Well, some people don't do that though. <laughs> it's mm. an accident or it's just very generic. Like it's like, hi manager, my name is right. whatever, right? So, but, <laughs> but even so, I think that the reason why I verge on the, on it being a, you know, like I said, it doesn't bother me. I'm not offended by it or anything. But the reason why I don't think it's a good thing is because I liken that to, you know, if I'm an advocate of your uh, relationship with your um, reps should be one that's like there's chemistry there, then you should be researching who you're sending an email out to. You should literally be looking at their roster and you should be looking at their background and you should be stalking their Instagram and making sure they're not crazy and that they, you know, are somebody that you want to work with and reaching out to those people individually. And so 
when you do send out a mass email, it's kind of like walking into a bar and being like, Hey, who, who wants to go out with me? You know, kind of a thing. And so I think I've tried that, that for some reason, it doesn't work. I it doesn't understand. work. Right. I don't know why. Single, you might just get yeah. a crazy. <laughs> um, so I, I do think that, you know, it's respectful to the client themselves to say like, I've done some research and this is the person that I want to work with. And, and I get it, you know, like, particular like the green room has an amazing reputation in the industry and sometimes people are just like i just want to work with anybody there um but you want somebody who's literally as excited about you as you are for yourself right or that your agent is and that's that is really the right fit so again not necessarily a pet peeve but it might be helpful i know it's a pet peeve for a lot of people in the industry It, it makes sense though i mean it makes total sense um, there was another, another question. I actually thought this was kind of funny. Um, but, uh, this person asked, why is Hollywood unfairly skewed towards beautiful people instead of great actors? Any insight into well, that? I, well, I'm not sure that I'm the right person to answer that question. I, I mean, I right. guess we have ourselves to blame if that's the case. Right. I think mm. if, somebody believes that i don't think that's really the case i think if i turn on the tv I'm not just seeing beautiful people i i think you know, now right now more than ever right yeah for sure yeah um yeah. i think that and guy's i guess bitter, whoever asked <laughs> yeah and maybe in my you know Probably. maybe my definition of, of beautiful is different i guess that's but i you know the I kind of liken that to the fact where people are like oh if you're white you're not working in this industry and I'm like, turn on the TV. There's totally white people on TV. That's just not true. I think it's an excuse to not work really hard for the clients that you believe in that do have amazing talent because that's just not the, a fact. Now, is it easier if you're diverse? A hundred percent. Like there, there's just no doubt about it right now. But I, it's just not a reality to say that you can't work if you're Caucasian. It's just not. In my opinion, I think that's like a farce so yeah. i had a uh, i had a question um this is probably like my final question i know we're, we're wrapping up but uh the only reason this is going to seem random the only reason i asked this is because we had a, a manager on a couple weeks ago and this is what he told us an acting manager he said and you guys can correct me if i'm getting this wrong i think what he said was 100 percent of all hollywood agents and managers at some point give their clients a fake audition uh, I, heard, I heard the um I did watch I didn't watch I listened to it oh okay okay so um well first of all there is no 100% in Hollywood like that doesn't exist so not to start a Twitter war or anything like that but <laughs> I just think that um I think that's a really just first of all I've never seen it happen in our office. And I work with a lot of agents, obviously, uh, like, you know, with my clients. And I've never seen that happen with anybody. If I did see it happen, I would totally call it out. Um, I just don't, maybe it's happened in the past, or maybe it does happen at some level, but we're in the business to make money. And if we're sending out an audition that's not like a legitimate audition, it's just a waste of my time. I would just, it would just never 
do that. I don't think anybody in the realm of who I work with, who I associate with, would ever do that. Um, I mean, again, I, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but to say 100%, that's, it's just not true. Yeah. That's what I thought it's too. Blank, blanket statement here. Yeah. Now I will yeah. say, in fairness, sometimes there's like um, what I would call like an open call and, but they leave it to the agent to decide who they want to send that to. So in that case, I mean, it's not like you were selected for that audition, but I think you're good for it and I'm still going to pitch you. So to me, that's still a legitimate audition. And those honestly are really kind of few and far between. And you'll know because it's, they're, they look specific when you get them on Actors Access or whatever. Um, so yeah, 100% is not accurate for sure. More like 98 to 97. But I would say more like <laughs> okay. 2%. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah. Aaron's concerned because he got so many auditions. It seems really strange suddenly well, in one day. Listen, I will say this. This is what I will say. If um, I had a client, uh, one particular client who literally auditioned a lot of times for some amazing roles over and over and over and over again. And that series regular, series regular, um, like guest, just like the, best auditions like you couldn't prescribe a better pilot season honestly and every single time it's like three days after he turned his on his audition I'm being a little sarcastic here but what's deadline it's like oh they cast this person which was like a major name and we're like we never even had a chance so sometimes mm -hmm. on my end I'm thinking did casting just like go through the motions and like call in people, but they were already in negotiation with somebody that I could see maybe happening. Um, but I also understand why, because I've also cast somebody on like a lead, you know, Disney plus thing. And two days before he's supposed to get on a plane, um, they had to replace him. So I understand why they may have to do that if they're still in negotiation, right? So I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying maybe sometimes it gets misconstrued or miscommunicated as like being fake. I just don't think that that's the case. I just don't think anybody in LA, Atlanta, New York, anywhere has that time to waste. I just, I, we don't make that much money. I promise you <laughs> to, to waste that kind of time. Yeah. My final question to you, Andrea, is this. If you could give yourself one piece of advice, when you, your younger self, when you were first starting out in the business, what would that be as a manager? As a manager? Um, well, let me start by saying that I'm fairly new in the management industry. So I, I give myself this piece of advice every single day is there's not just one way. Um, when I came into management, it wasn't like I was trained. Nobody like told me how to do it. I knew what the end goal was and I had to figure out how to make that happen. And um, just like any other business that I've ever done or that I still do to this day, I tend to be the kind of person that goes against the grain anyways. I don't really 
I don't really like to fit in a mold, um, particularly in this business, because I feel like then you're just in the middle of the crowd and you have to figure out a way. So if you just continually for, for an agent, but I also feel like this is totally suitable for an actor too, is if you just tell yourself there's not just one way and you run with that, then whatever it is that you're wanting to achieve will probably come a little bit easier. Um, so I just know where I need to go and I will figure out a way to get there. And I just, it doesn't, it's not the same path that my fellow managers might take, um, but we'll probably all end up in the same place. The last question I had for you is now with the way the industry is and uh, um, so many self tapes and so forth, do you really even think it's necessary to live in Los Angeles anymore? Uh, that's a hard one. If you want to work in LA, well, I mean, the, the I guess the, the, the true answer is no, you don't have to live in LA. Um, but I would say that you just have to be prepared to sure, for the cost relief. involved with that. Right. Um, so I don't live in LA. Um, you know, uh, my son is also an actor and we know like if we need to be in LA in at six o'clock tomorrow morning, we're prepared to do that. Like we can jump on a flight or get in the car and go. Um, and some people may not be prepared for that commitment. And so it's important that um, if you're not gonna live in the region, that you're, you understand what that means. But that, that applies for Atlanta and New York too. So if you live in LA and you wanna work in those regions, you also have to be prepared. It, it works both ways. Andrea, thank you for joining us today. You're would you so welcome? Would you give us your final thoughts for the all uh, for the surviving Hollywood audience? And also, I'm not talking about everybody, but yes or no, would you encourage our audience to hit you up if they are looking for a manager? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm never not looking for talent. Um, so yeah, they can absolutely. I'm always open to looking at submissions. And you know what? If it's not a fit for me. I'm always happy to lead them in the right direction or a different direction. Um, and so my final thought, I guess, would just be, uh, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> put you on the so spot. I put me on the spot a little bit, but <laughs> listen, I have this conversation with a lot of people on my roster lately. And I just kind of feel like this whole pandemic has been just like a, a circle for all of us. And I think in the, in the beginning, we were all like motivated and kind of excited that there was time off and that sort of thing. And then I feel like it went into a different phase. And I feel like a lot of actors are in this phase of sort of like panic right now, especially coming off of pilot season, which might not have been successful. And, and what I would say is it's not just on your end. I feel like a lot of representatives might feel a little bit of panic too. Um, but uh, everything is, is cyclical and listen, entertainment's not going anywhere. So if you stick with it and don't let that panic consume you and just continue to work toward whatever it is that you wanna achieve, uh, you let it happen. Cause I feel like when you are panicked, you're just blocking, you know, things that, that should be coming to you. And uh, the quicker that you can kind of just release and let go of some of that um, 
kind of anxiety that comes along with just not knowing, um, I think the better off you'll be. Not to get super philosophical on you, but I think, again, it's, well, it's certainly conversations had many yeah. times lately. Well, very well said. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you uh, so much for your time. I really do appreciate it, Andrea. Um, of course. I hope you're staying safe. Are you, are you in Arizona right now or? At the moment, yes. And then I'll be okay. in New York uh, on Monday and LA the Friday after that. Whoa. So. Lots of traveling. Yeah, there lots you know. of, well, it's, you know, everything's kind of opening back up. And so right. that was my normal kind of life um, before COVID and I'm ready. Like I'm, I'm ready to work at <laughs> yeah. just like get things going. We've yeah. waited long enough. You're going to New York for a, for a client? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, so this will be the first time that um I'm meeting with clients like in person since COVID. I've been back three times, um, but more just kind of scoping out offices and stuff like that, not necessarily for uh, to meet with clients. But now that things are kind of opening back up, I want to see my clients and just yeah. start working again, you know, like meet with some agents and casting directors, hopefully while we're there. So we'll see. It'll be fun. I think, I think we're all ready for to work too. So we're all dying yeah, for it. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you but, guys uh, for inviting so me. This was amazing. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Of course. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Take care. Great podcast. Bye.